Hey, good morning, you guys. Happy Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna to the highest. And, uh, you know, we just, would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, you guys. Matthew chapter 28. Today, we're actually going to conclude our series on co-mission, which is a play on word of commission. Because there is a mission that God has called us to do, that is to go and make disciples. And today we're going to study the third way we make disciples, which is to teach people to obey. And if you go ahead and open your uh, notes and your bulletins, uh, the title of today's message is Just Obey. Just Obey. Remember that the main point of the Great Commission is to make disciples, right? And how do we make disciples? We just go to where the people are at, right? We just baptize, right? In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we talked about last week. And today, we're going to be talking about just obey. And I think it's no coincidence, you guys, that uh, as we talk about obedience in this Palm Sunday, that um, in making disciples, that God... Jesus uses the agency of human obedience to make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That God used obedience to declare his kingship into the world, into Jerusalem. How did he do that? Do you guys remember in the Gospels where uh, he's like, hey, I'm about to go into the cities, or go into the cities, into the towns, and Bethpage and Capernaum, and they, they were going through, and Jesus says, hey, um, I need a colt, and I need a donkey to ride into. So he told his disciples, go into the town. You're going to see a donkey there, an unridden foal. It's never been ridden on, and just take it. And they're like, and if someone asks, just say, the Lord needs of this, all right? And the disciples are like, uh, we're about to steal <laughs> from this man. And, but yet, they still obey. The two disciples go into town. They see a a donkey, they untie it, and some people, hey, what are you guys doing? And they said, the Lord needs of this. They're like, okay, go ahead. And so um, from that, then they, that was the medium and the agency through which Jesus used to ride triumphantly into Jerusalem. And so obedience then is the key that would really demarcate and distinguish what a true follower of Jesus is, is this thing called obedience, and obedience, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's the game changer, guys. If you can narrow down your faith into this area called simple obedience, then you can experience the kingdom of God upon you and upon your life. That Jesus said, I have come to give life and life to the full. That is the full life. And the key that unlocks that is what? Obedience. And... Um, because it's obedience that which allowed and separated the fans from the followers. You know what to me one of the saddest verses in the Bible is? 666, which is John chapter 6, verse 66. You know what that is? Jesus told his disciples, hey, come eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. He was talking about communion. And then the disciples are like, ah. And it says, many deserted, many disciples deserted him. Because they weren't willing to obey Jesus at this point. Because oftentimes we pick and choose. You know, Palm Sunday, what, 
transitioned on Palm Sunday for people to cut down branches, put it on the floor, take out the outer cloak, put it on um, the road, and have Jesus ride on the donkey. And they were saying what? Hosanna, Hosanna, which is, uh, this is actually a, a word, Hoshiana, meaning deliver us, deliver us, oh God, deliver us. In the Old Testament, it used to mean deliver us, like it was a plea, help us, deliver us. And then in the New Testament, because of the 500 years of silence, the intertestamental period, meaning from Malachi to Matthew, for 500 years, there was not a prophetic voice that God used. And so this word, Hoshiana or Hosanna, used to mean help, help, deliver us, save us, save us. And then by the time Jesus comes around, it became, it transitioned from a plea into a declaration into salvation has come. But these people who shouted salvation has come, five days later on Good Friday, what do they shout? <laughs> Crucify him, crucify him. Why? Obedience. And, you know, there's areas in our lives that we are not allowing the master, Jesus, to, to, to um, have an input or obey in our lives. That there's areas in our lives that we don't submit to the lordship of Jesus, that we're afraid of the master's touch. You know, uh, Felix Mendelssohn was a German composer. He was a a pianist, he was an organist, and he was a conductor of the early Romantic period. Now, Mendelssohn's compositions include symphonies, concertos, piano music, and chamber music, and he was a virtuoso on the piano. Now, he once visited the cathedral at Freiburg, and having heard the great organ, he went into the organ loft and asked, is it okay if I play it? Now, the old organist in jealousy of his instrument, at first refused. Like, no, who are you? I don't even know you. But was afterward prevailed on to allow the great German composer to try the colossal thunderer of the cathedral, this booming. Have you ever been to Europe? These booming cathedral organs are just blaring out. And after standing by an ecstasy of delight and amazement, and for a few moments, he suddenly laid his hands on the shoulder of Mendelssohn and exclaimed, Ah, who are you and what's your name? Mendelssohn, replied the player. And he says, And can it be that I had so nearly refused to let Mendelssohn touch this organ? I think Christians often refuse to let God have his way in their life because they are afraid of the outcome. That we're, we, we're okay with obeying God in this area, but not in a certain area. We could trust God with faith, but maybe not with our finances. We could trust God maybe with our health, but not over our spouse or our children or family. Little do we know that if we let God do as he sees fit, the outcome would be much greater than anything we could dream of. Do not be afraid of the master's touch over our lives. Do not be afraid to walk in obedience every aspect of our lives. And because the great commission of obeying, it says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. All aspect of our lives comes under the lordship of Jesus. All right? So let's all stand together. Let's go into our text, which is Matthew chapter 28. 
verses 18 through uh, 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. I could read. Uh, you could follow along with your eyes. Okay. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, O oh God. And Lord, uh, we need the master's touch in every area of our life. Jesus, you warned us that why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Lord, making disciples and being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus is to obey and to observe all that you have commanded. Not some, not few, not most, but all that you've commanded, God, sh should be submitted to the lordship of King Jesus. And so, Lord, we need your grace. We need your strength, O oh God, to obey. We need your grace. We need your strength, Lord, to trust you, to humble ourselves, that you know better, that you are God, that we are but dust. From dust we came and dust we shall return, that you are an e eternal, everlasting Father. So this morning, God, we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated. So uh, this morning, here is the main point. Here's the thrust of the message of just obeying. And if there's anything that you could walk away with, it is this, okay? It is this, that biblical teaching and genuine faith produces wholehearted obedience, okay? It's almost like a formula. If there is a teaching or preaching that is biblical, that follows the Word, that does not omit, that does not edit, but every word of the Bible and every command and precept of Scripture, if there's a biblical teaching and you couple that with a genuine faith, it will result and it will produce wholehearted obedience. That if you, if you read your Bible and if you go to a Bible teaching church like this and you put your faith in your trust and your hope in the gospel, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it's going to produce in you an obedience from your whole heart. Now, the word obedience is actually uh, the word hupakauo, uh, all right? Hupakauo in Greek. Now, what is the word hupakauo? Now, the word, it's from two words. One is under, hupa, like hooper or hyper. And another word is akuo, meaning listen. Huh? How is that obedience? Because when obedience then intrinsic in that word is that obedience is tied to linguistically and also in concept of listening under what is being taught. Obedience then is submitting and listening to what is being said and falling under what has been said. So, you know, 
how many of you guys have kids? And, you know, you tell them, take out the trash. And they act like nothing happened. Like, hey, take out the trash. And they just ignore. Take out the trash. Later, take out the trash. Nothing. Take out the trash. They're listening. That's the first part of obedience. But obedience, hupakuo, means under. You listen. God has said these things. God has revealed himself through his word. God has revealed himself through the power of the Holy Spirit with utterings that are groanings that are too deep for words. God has revealed himself and has spoken to us in the still small voice. God has revealed himself to the whole counsel of his word, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We hear it. Now we just have to submit ourselves under the authority of King Jesus. And it's interesting because the whole Great Commission is premised upon the authority that is in Christ, and we are to fall under that. And so, biblical teaching and genuine faith produces wholehearted obedience. Let's look at Romans chapter 16, verse 26. Romans 16, verse 26. It talks about the, the mystery that the gospel has been revealed, verse 26, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings or the teachings from the Bible through the prophets by the command, right, of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles, meaning you and me, not unless you're Jewish, right, might come to the obedience that comes from faith. You see here, there is a marriage for better, for worse, for sickness and health, till death do us part, there's a marriage between obedience and faith. That one cannot have faith without obedience. That, it's, that there's biblical teaching along with genuine faith results in what? Obedience. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, okay? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin... You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your what? Allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And I love verse 17. It says that you have come to obey from where? From your heart from the center of your being to the core of your personhood, to your soul, to everything that is within you, that is the place that you've come to obey God. Obedience is better than sacrifice, right? You know, uh, how many of you guys know Mark Twain, all right? Mark Twain... Uh, it's been said that there was a businessman well-known for his ruthlessness once announced to writer Mark Twain. And this businessman said, you know what? Before I die, I, may, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, which is Israel. I will climb Mount Sinai and I will read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top of Mount Sinai. It's like, wow, this guy is all about proclaiming and having authority, right? Mark Twain replied, you know what? I have a better idea. You could stay in Boston right where you're at and keep the commandments and obey the commandments instead of proclaiming it. Because the truth is, you guys, we know more than what we do. Can I get an amen? Right? We know more than what we do. 
We know that you should eat more greens. We all know we are to brush our teeth. We all know we're supposed to floss, right? We all know we're supposed to get our nine hours of rest. But how many of us actually do it? And I think that with our consumeristic society, man, you know, there's just a velocity of information that we could just get. And somehow in our warped minds, we think information or knowledge equals obedience. Just because you know doesn't mean obey. There are two different things. And obedience comes from this place of responding to God. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, acceptable act of worship. Meaning that from this place of knowing the finished work of Jesus, from this place of the mercies of God, that is where you and I obey. Secondly, would you write down that it is through Christ's obedience that we have acceptance and fellowship with God? I want to make this foundation that before we talk about, oh, you obey, 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 just obey, just obey, it's up to you. You have to do it. It's your own strength. It's your own will. It's your own volition. No, no, no. It's what Jesus has done in His obedience that we are made right with God and that we have fellowship with God. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, who is this referring to? Adam, exactly. Now, Adam, in the branch of theology, we call that typology, where there are people or characters who would be like a type of the work of, or the person of Jesus. So, through Adam, Adam was a type of Christ, meaning that through Adam's disobedience or his trespasses, it resulted in what? Condemnation for all people. And you just think about the, the power of sin. Something so simple as don't eat the fruit. That was the first sin recorded in the Bible. What was the second sin recorded in the Bible? Murder, <laughs> how the power of sin just grabs a hold, how the proclivity and the inclination of our heart is to sin. And it's through Adam's disobedience that what? That we are condemned. All people are condemned. So also, here it is, here's a fulfillment of typology, one righteous act, meaning Jesus' obedience resulted in justification, meaning that you and I are accepted by God, that you and I stand before God just if we've never sinned, okay? That's a, uh, a corny way, but I think it's a good way to remind ourselves what justification is, just if we've never sinned because Jesus declares us righteous and life for all people. Verse 19, for just as though the obedience or the disobedience of the one man, Adam, many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. That is through the obedience of Christ that you and I can obey God. It's through the obedience of Christ that He makes a new nature within us, where before all we had was a sinful nature where it was all about me, myself, and I, that we had no choice but to sin. 
that when sin came knocking at the door, who is it? And we didn't, we're like, oh gosh, there they go. They're talking, think about me. Now I got it. Here I go. And we couldn't control ourselves. Why? Because you, before you came to know Christ, you only have one nature, and that is a sinful nature that you inherited from the disobedience of Adam. But when you put your faith in Christ, Jesus has given you a new heart. Now you have a heart, the uh, Bible calls it a spiritual nature, or the spirit man within you. Now you have two natures. You have a disobedient nature, but you have an obedient nature, and that our obedience is anchored in the obedience of Jesus. So it's not about you, oh, I have to do this, my self-will, I have to obey, but man, Jesus obeyed. He's given me a new heart, then I could walk in that obedience, okay? And so he, I just want to close off our series this morning with like a sandwich, okay? A sandwich or a hamburger. I'm a sandwich, you know, my favorite comfort food, ask my wife. She goes, what do you feel like eating? I don't know, what do you feel like? And she'd say to me, oh, we could do this. I'm always like, hamburger, right? <laughs> and the hamburger, you know, there's a two bun and there's the meat in the middle, okay? And if we could think of the Great Commission in this way, okay? The top layer is this, that the, if we could go to the next slide, the authority of Jesus sends us to make disciples. The authority of Christ enables us to make disciples. The meat is to what? Make disciples, but the bottom part is, let's go to the next slide, is the presence of Jesus strengthens us to make disciples. So you and I not only have authority from God, not only have we been commissioned, but now we have strength. Now we have the sustenance because Jesus says what? In verse 20, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you always till the end of the age. And the Great Commission, you guys, it's all-encompassing. All-encompassing, like every aspect of your life is touched or permeated or affected by the Great Commission. It starts in verse 18, right? All authority, every realm in heaven and on earth, spiritual and physical, all authority has been given to the Father. Secondly, the scope of the Great Commission is that all nations, before Jesus told them, hey, don't go to the Gentiles, but, on, but only go to the lost house of Israel. Before salvation came through Israel and through the Jews, but now it says all peoples, all nations, right? Thirdly, not only all realm and all scope, but it says all of life. He says, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. All of our life needs to be submitted to the lordship of Jesus, that we hear what God says, we submit ourselves, and we follow what he says through simple obedience. And then lastly, it says, behold, I'm with you always to all the end of the age all of times, that the presence of God is with us and would strengthen us. Now, you know, we can't talk about the Great Commission without talking about missions and missionary. How many of you have heard of Adoniram Judson? 
Okay. Adoniram Judson is uh, what is the first Christian missionary that was sent from like an organized uh, denomination through the Baptist. Now, Adoniram Judson graduated from college and seminary, and he received a call from a fashionable church in Boston to become an assistant pastor. Everyone congratulated him. His mother, his sister rejoiced that he could live with him at home and do his life work there, but Judson shook his head. He said, my work is not here. God is calling me beyond to the seas to stay here, even to serve God in this ministry, I feel would be only partial obedience. And I could not be happy in that. And although it cost him a great struggle, he left mother and sister to follow the heavenly call. Now, 38 years, Judson spent his entire life. He died overseas in Myanmar, present-day Myanmar, what we call Burma back then. And Judson, the presence of God was with him, and that he followed God, even though he, he could have taken comfort, he could have taken familiarity. He's like, no, God is calling me, and I have to I can't be partial obedience. I have to be fully obedient to what God has called me to do. Here's a brief video clip, you guys, about the life of Adoniram Judson. Let's go take a look. It's July 13, 1813. Adoniram Judson and his wife Anne had just arrived at the port of Burma's capital, Yangon. Now known as Myanmar. If you're familiar with Judson's story, you know that he would later be regarded as one of the founders of modern Baptist missions. Gifted in languages, he translated the entire Bible, and then for 38 years, through imprisonment, torture, illness, deep depression, isolation from family and friends, and the loss of two wives and numerous children, he suffered to bring the gospel to the unreached peoples of Myanmar. And then on Friday afternoon, April 12, 1850, Adoniram Judson died at sea, away from all his family and Burmese church. When he died, people wondered, so I was moved to the small tent outside the hospital. And in, in the sleep, I have a dream. Oh, it is a terrible dream. So in my dream, I heard a call. I was fall in the well, and he pulled me out from the well. Ah, at the time I woke up, my fever dropped. So I become better and better. So I know that ah, God gave me life to do something for him. Evangelism is not an easy job. We was detained in 2006 because we evangelized We are arrested as the one and a half month in jail. Yeah, oh, very hard. But anyway, when we were in the jail, we can evangelize to the Christian life. Two, one lady and one man. from God, I think. In the ethnic groups, very few TV for them to win. I don't want to waste my ability like that. I want to help the people. So many, many people uh, come to know Jesus. Now more than 1,000 in that area. So did you see yourself like Judson? 
hostile. So in answer to the question, do we follow Jesse? We just met one. You want to know what it means to make a disciple? It's to reproduce yourself. Man, talk about... investing in heavenly treasure. 200 years after... 200 years after his last breath here on earth, how many million? 20 million? Believers... From one life of obedience. This morning, how, what is the legacy that you're going to leave behind? How are you going to make your life count, not just for this life, but for all of eternity? You know... following Jesus, you guys, it's the most eternal decision that you'll make. But making disciples, reproducing yourselves, going to where the people are at, teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded, and baptizing in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, this is the eternal treasure where thieves do not break in and steal, where moth and rust do not come and destroy. This is the eternal and heavenly treasure, and we see it. You see it. Home, Myanmar is one of the few countries in Asia that, that's just majority, close to majority are Christians. Why? Through one act of simple obedience. So this morning, may I encourage us Just obey. I've said this before. You know, I was reading through the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <laughs> he gave his life, literally, um, for the gospel. But he, he, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And one of his main things is this simple phrase, simple obedience. Simple obedience that the disciples dropped everything, dropped their nets, dropped their income, dropped their security in order to follow God through this act of simple obedience. And the way that I applied it in my life was, man, for a season, for a good couple of months, when I pull up in our carport, in our home, before I turn off the engine, turn off the ignition, Breathe in, it's like, Lord, help me, God, to love my wife and to serve my kids. Help me, Lord, to live in that simple obedience. It doesn't matter what I know. It doesn't matter. My kids don't know, don't care how much I know. They only know how much I care. And so it's this idea of, it's this life of simple obedience 
Ask the Holy Spirit, God, is there an area in my life that is not submitted? Am I hearing, I'm, you're speaking to me, I heard from you, but am I falling under that lordship of Jesus? Is there an area where I'm rationalizing? Is there an area in my life where it's not simple obedience, but it is rationalized disobedience? where we rationalize and we reason and we make excuses of why we don't do this. Oh, well, it's because this. Fall under the lordship of Jesus because following Jesus means to obey all that he has commanded. And it's through this obedience that we can experience abundant life in Christ. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for this morning. And Father, we pray, oh God, um, that you would give us strength right now, Lord that the presence of Jesus would strengthen us, Lord, to make disciples. Lord, strictly speaking, you said that it is only, in Matthew 28, it is only when we make disciples that your presence is with us. It is only when we're going, we're teaching, we're baptizing, we're obeying, that, he, that you promised that, lo, I am with you till the end of the age. Lord, that your presence is promised only in making disciples and walking in obedience. And so, Father, I pray right now for that strength, that your presence would sustain us. Lord, I pray, oh God, for some of us, it's having that authority, Lord. All authority, all power, all dominion on heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given to you, Jesus. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would raise, Lord, authoritative Christ followers. That, Lord, that you, especially, Lord God, all the, the men, Lord God, that they would have the mantle of authority and the anointing, Lord, to be the leaders of themselves, be the leaders of their marriages, be the leaders over, the ha over their own homes, oh God. And so, Father, we humbly submit ourselves to you. We've heard from your word, and now we fall under, we submit ourselves under the lordship of Jesus. So every aspect of our lives, oh God, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our goals, our desires, our affection, Lord, it falls under the Lordship of King Jesus. And we follow you, O oh Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And we just want to say, Hosanna, O oh Lord God. Glory to God in the highest. Salvation has come. Thank you, Lord, for the abundant new life that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. God, people say, amen. How are you?